today, today we are beginning a new series that's going to last a couple of weeks here where we're talking about the miracles of Jesus. So we're going to be tracking through the gospel of Luke and we're going to be pulling out uh, some, not all, of the miracles that Jesus had wrought while he was here and uh, we're going to be talking about those and seeing what God has for us in the Word of God. Today we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 5. So you can go to chapter 5 of the Gospel of Luke. Did you bring a Bible today? Yeah? Let me see. Hold up your Bible or your device, whatever you're using. you got to bring your Bible when you come to church, right? And why is that? you got to check the preacher out and make sure that he's giving you the Word of God, not just nice, funny stories or, you know, cute little beliefs that he or she happens to have. We want the Word of God, right? Amen? All right, so Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was. As the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he, then Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, or we know him also as Peter, and asked him, Jesus asked Peter to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Hallelujah. So today I want to talk to you from the subject, how to catch a miracle. Not how to catch fish for you fishermen that are here today, but how to catch a miracle. So Peter and James and John, they had this fishing business, and they were out this one particular night, all night, with their nets, trying to catch fish early into the morning hours. But on this particular night, this fishing trip, they caught nothing. So we find them on the shoreline. They've got their Nets spread out. They're washing all of the algae and whatever weeds they happen to get tangled up in their nets. They're cleaning their nets, making a few repairs, mending some broken strands like that. And they're getting ready for their next fishing trip. And they notice that there is a crowd moving up the beach, coming towards them. And this crowd is following a preacher who's preaching, who's teaching. Now, they probably knew about Jesus because by this point, Jesus has quite the reputation as a healer, as a miracle worker. He's kind of actually kind of a a celebrity at this time, right? And then as this crowd approaches and Jesus is kind of leading them, this teacher, this Jesus, steps into one of their boats, Peter's boat. And how many realize that it's a good thing that Peter was not from New York, because this story probably would have gone a little differently, right? I mean, imagine 
What would happen if you, after service, you go out into the parking lot and, you know, one of the mission church pastors is out in your car trying to hotwire it, get it started, you know, and you walk up to them and they're like, hey, you know, I, you know what, I, I just, I need to use a car and I know you're a Christian, right? So you don't mind if I take your car. That probably wouldn't go so well, right? I don't know how, how you would react to that. But Jesus is in Peter's boat, and then he asks Peter, he says, would you mind rowing out a few meters so that I can be better heard by the crowd? Because the the, the geography there, there's a mountain range around the lake, and the way that he would project his voice, being out in the lake a little bit, would enable the crowd to hear him a little more. So Peter doesn't mind doing that, so he rows out into the water a little bit. Jesus sits down, and he continues his teaching. All right, so everybody got this picture in their minds, what's going on here? Because there's a, there's a couple of important points that I want to make, because we all know that a miracle is coming. Everybody say it's coming. Okay, we read the story. We know a miracle is coming. And for some of us here today, that really hits home because we're at a place where we need God to step into some situation in our lives and do something that only God can do. Hello? Some of us here today, we need a breakthrough. We need a divine provision. We need God to do something that only God can do. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you've been praying. Maybe you've been praying for family members. You've been praying for prodigals. You've been praying for lost people to come to the Lord. You need a healing in your body. You need to turn around in your finances, a breakthrough in your career, whatever it is. And if we are going to catch a miracle, there are a couple of things I think we can learn from this story, a couple of truths. And the first truth is, is simply this. If you want a miracle in your life, you first have to let Jesus into the boat. Right? Verse 3 says that he steps into the boat and he asks Peter to, uh, to start rowing out from the shoreline, right? And this is how Jesus works. Even though Jesus is fully God and he's sovereign and he can do anything he wants to do. How many understand that? Right? Jesus can do anything he wants to do. What he really wants is for us to welcome him onto or into our boats. He could force his way in. He could make it, but he doesn't do that. In fact, Revelation 3.20, Jesus is writing to one of the churches there, and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. So get this picture. We have Jesus, almighty God, who could simply speak, and the door would be smashed to, to pieces, and he could walk in and do whatever he wants. Instead, he restrains himself, Right? That's what meekness is. Meekness is strength under control. That's what Jesus, he restrains himself. Instead, he knocks on the door and he waits for us to open the door and to invite him in to our lives. Now, if you're not saved, if you're not a Christ follower and you want God to work in your life and do something supernatural, miraculous, and divine, you first have to invite Christ into your life, not just to get a miracle from him, but as Lord of your life. Amen? And if you are saved, you are a Christ follower, 
That means that now that you've invited Christ into your life, you need to surrender your will to his lordship and let him be the captain of your boat. Let him be the master of your, of your house, right? He's not going to force his way in, but once he comes in, understand, he's not coming in as a guest, He's not coming in as just a visitor. He comes in as Lord. How many understand that? Because this is his nature. He is Lord. And he is not going to contradict his nature. He's not going to take a back seat. He's not just going to sit there in a corner and keep his mouth shut, right? Jesus is Lord. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do the things which I say? Right? So when Jesus comes, when you open that door and you let Jesus come into the house, guess what he's, guess what he's going to do? He's going to start taking control of that house. He's going to start cleaning that house, right? He's going to start moving some things out that shouldn't be there. He's going to start going into rooms, right? And that's what it means to invite Jesus into our lives. What we're saying is, Jesus, you are going to become master of my house, and I surrender everything to you. Now, a lot of us, we like to think that we've done that, but what we've actually done, we've asked Jesus in, but we've got some rooms in our lives that are kind of locked. They're locked up. Like, we don't want Jesus in that room. You know, don't touch that relationship. Don't touch my finances, right? Don't touch, you know, those opinions that I have. And we don't want to surrender. But understand, if Jesus gets on the boat, he only gets on the boat in one way, as captain. He takes over. Hello? Amen? Right? And that brings us to the second truth about catching a miracle. When, Jesus, when you let Jesus on the boat, he's going to start teaching. Hello? You see that there? Right? Verse 3 says he sat down, made himself comfortable, and what did he do? He started teaching. Teaching the multitudes from the boat. Meaning, when he comes, he comes with his teachings, his word, his truth. Not a truth, not your truth or my truth. He comes with the truth. How many understand that? We live in a world where everybody says, well, that's not my truth, or this is my truth, or everyone has their own truth. There's no such thing as your truth, my truth, or their truth. There's only his truth. There is only the truth. There is only one truth. Right? This is what it means to be a Christ follower and to invite Jesus onto your boat, into your house, into your life. Amen? And this is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, that there are strongholds of the mind. There are arguments and high things. There are thoughts and beliefs that we have exalted in our own minds that are contrary to the knowledge of God. And when Christ comes in, he begins this process of teaching us and reordering our thinking and causing us to conform to the truth of his word, right? It says that he brings every thought into captivity to the obedience of what? Of himself. Hello? This is what it means. Now we're talking, I know we want, we want to hear about miracles, we want to hear about a breakthrough, we want to hear about Jesus coming in and working a, a divine term, but we need to understand something that there's a process often involved. We want to skip all that and just say, Jesus, I need a miracle. And Jesus says, well, first, I want to get in the boat. And second, second I got some teaching here I got to do, right? Now, I don't know about you, when Jesus got into my boat, 
so many years ago, there were all kinds of thoughts and belief systems that had to be brought under his captivity. They had to be brought under control and even tossed over the boat, right? Thrown overboard, yes? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Did anybody have some things when Jesus got in your boat that needed to be brought into captivity and thrown overboard, tossed out of the boat? Yes, right? Okay, this is what happens. You open the door, you ask Jesus to come in, he sits down, he sups with you, but he only comes as Lord, okay? He doesn't sit, in the, he doesn't sit at the kids' table. How many know about the kids' table? That's where we want Jesus to sit. We let him in. You know, he's knocking at the, oh, yeah, come on in, Jesus, you know. Got a table for you right here. It's only this high and a little chair there. That's where we want to put you. Jesus doesn't sit there. Jesus sits right at the head of the table. That's the only place. You try to put him at the kid's table, guess what? He's leaving. Because it's against his nature. Right? So he starts teaching us. He starts speaking into our lives. Right? He brings his word into our hearts, and, he's, and, he, and he wants to deal with all of those things in our lives that are not aligned with his will. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Right? I think we all have some of those things that are not aligned with his will. Right? Okay? Now, here's the question. The question is this. Whose voice commands your boat? What voices are you letting in to your boat? What voices are you listening to? Because the world is full of voices. And the enemy doesn't care which voice you listen to as long as you're not listening to the voice of Christ. Right? And a lot of us, we're listening to all kinds of voices hour after hour, day after day, but we are not getting the Word of God into our system enough, right? Voices in the media, CNN, Fox News, right? Some professor at the university, you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, we're listening, frat friends, and family member, people all around. We're listening to all of these different voices, and we're not measuring them against the voice of God, the Word of God. The Word of God is not the one who is teaching in our boat. We've got all these other voices that are in the boat, in the boat telling us, well, you know, you don't, you don't need to get married, you know, as long as, as long as, you know, you love one another, you and your boyfriend, you and your girlfriend, you can move in together. What do you need to get married? That's, those, are, those are the voices of the world. That's not the voice of Jesus. Hello? Amen? Well, what, what does it matter if it's a same-sex marriage or that, you know, it's a homosexual couple? What is that? As long as they love each other, that's a voice. That's there, right? Hello? Right? But that's not what the Word of God says, right? The Word of God says that God has a plan for human sexuality. Amen? One man, one woman under marriage for a lifetime. Hello? That's God's plan, right? But the other voices will try to tell you something else, right? Well, so what, you know, if a teenager wants to change their gender? You know, if that makes them happy, if that makes them fulfilled, that, those are the voices that are out there. Hello? But that's not the Word of God. Come on, church, are you hearing me today? 
There are, we are surrounded by voices that want to get in the boat and take over the steer, take over the rudder and move us in a certain direction. But we need to make sure that Jesus is the one who is the captain of our ship right, who is teaching us and speaking to us and leading us, amen, and conforming us not to the image of the world or some professor or some journalist on CNN, but into the image of Christ. Hello? Amen? Well, I don't, I don't, think, I don't, I don't think Jesus is the only way. There are many ways to, to God. That's what the world will tell us, right? Right? I mean, you know what Oprah says. Oprah says, you know, as long as you have some faith in some, you know, being, that's fine. You know, as long as you just acknowledge that God, that's not what the Bible says. Hello? There, that's not what the Bible, if you're, if you're believing that, then you are not aligned with the Word of God. Because the Word of God says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. What are we talking about here? We're saying, we're saying, yes, I need a, I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I need God's power in my life. But we need to understand that our lives need to be lined up with the will and the word of God. And we need to let Jesus be the master of our home and the captain of our ship. Hello? So you have to decide. We have every day, every day in this broken, fallen world, we have to decide that there will only be one voice that commands my life. And it's not your truth or your truth or what you think or what you want. There's only one voice that commands my, my life, and that is the voice that comes from the Word of the living God. And stop letting the voices of this world take command of your boat. Amen? Hallelujah. Then Jesus says to Peter in verse 4, he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, let's remember that Peter is a professional fisherman. He has been doing this all his life, okay? And Peter, he, he knows how to fish. I mean, he He's been in, working in those waters for a long time. He knows where the fish gather. He knows when they feed, when the currents come and go, where to position the nets. You know, he, he knows how to do this stuff, right? And so he reminds Jesus in verse 5, he says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Okay, it's, it's almost like you can, you can hear the irritation in Peter's voice a little bit. So I have to say, look, Jesus, look. We know you're a great preacher and all, you know. You've got all this theology and everything, you know, all this stuff about God, but why don't you leave the fishing stuff to us? We've been doing this all night, okay? We know the fish aren't moving today. The currents are just going in a different way, right? So we kind of know what we're doing here, so thank you very much. How many fishermen do we have? Do we have any fishermen here? How many are ashamed to admit it right now? I don't know why, but, right? Now, listen, just so you know, if you like to cast a reel, but you've never caught a fish, you're not a fisherman, okay? So by fishermen, I mean fishermen that have actually caught. Now, I'm not a fisherman, okay? I'm not a fisherman. If I go fishing, it's going to be at Lake Shoprite in the fishing aisle because I can always get a catch there. I can get salmon. I can get tilapia. I can get cod. I can get halibut. I can get flounder. I can get whatever I want there, right? And I always get one. 
That's what awesome, that's what's awesome about it, right? I'm not a fisherman, but I do know this, right? That fishermen, nothing annoys a fisherman more than someone who comes along and tries to tell them how to fish, right? Any fishermen know what I'm talking about, right? You're out there fishing, somebody comes along, catch anything? Now they're biting. What are you using? Oh, you should try this. Maybe you should go over there, right? Okay? Fishermen don't like that, right? Annoys them. But Peter, he's patient, right? He's not going to get annoyed and angry. So he says, nevertheless, we've been fishing all night, you know. We, we, we've been working this area all night long, but, you know, you're Jesus. Oh, you know. <laughs> nevertheless, at your word... Okay? It's almost like Peter has an I told you so in the chamber. Doesn't it seem like that? It's like he, he knows, he's thinking, yeah, we'll do it, but I, I got an I told you so ready for Jesus. You know, right? But what Peter didn't realize was who it was he was actually talking to. He didn't realize that Jesus made those fish in that lake. That Jesus was Lord of those fish fish in that lake, that Jesus had created every one of them, that Jesus had created that lake, that Jesus knew that there were actually 243,972 fish in that lake, and he knew each of them by name, he knew when each one of them was born, and he knew where each one of them was actually fishing, uh, swimming at that moment, and somehow, some way, at that precise moment, Jesus commanded those fish, and all those fish in that lake started swimming toward the net. And then verse 6 says, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Here's the next truth. Here's the next truth in this story. There will be times, if you want to catch a miracle, there will be, time, there will be things that God calls us to do that don't seem rational that don't seem to make sense in our calculations, right? In verse 5, Peter's like, this doesn't make sense. We've toiled all night. We're the professionals. We've been out there, and we've caught nothing. It makes no sense, right? When Jesus fed the 5,000, right? And remember he, the, 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 the loaves and the, and the fish, right? It would have made more sense if Jesus just waved his arms and there was just huge stockpile of bread and fish. And then, you know, the disciples could put together a system, you know, where everybody could come, line up, get your, right? But that's not, Jesus doesn't always work in our systems. How many understand that? It doesn't always work in our little boxes and our theological understanding of how things should be or even our practical understanding of how things should be. That's not, we know what God does. He calls us to trust him and obey him. Trust him and obey him. And it's when we step out in that faith, that trust, and it's when we obey that the miracle, the provision comes. Amen? And, and what we're obeying God in doesn't always seem to make sense. That's why it's called faith. And that's why scripture says we walk not by sight, but by, but by faith, right? There are a lot of things that we are called to do that don't make sense, that aren't rational. How many know it's not rational to pay 10% tithe? How many understand that? Hello? It, it, 
It doesn't make sense. Many of us, you know, you know that. You've, you've added it up on a calculator, and it just it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, right? But you know what? He calls us to do it as an act of faith and obedience to him to, to return to him that tithe. And he says, if you do it, now it may not add up, but if you do it, I'll open the windows of heaven. Amen? Right? And so it's when we step out in faith and we obey that we see God comes with the provision, right? It's not rational to pray for healing when the doctor says it's only going to get worse, right? Do you ever tell your doctor, well, I don't believe that because I'm, I'm trusting in my God. The doctor's going to look at you like you're crazy, right? But the Bible, what does the Bible say? It says, if you're sick, call on the elders of the church and they'll anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That he is, he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. Hello, church, right? We, we don't walk according to all of the earthly laws here. We have a spiritual understanding, right? That's why Colossians says that we should be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding because the, we understand that there are certain principles God has established that do not add up in the earthly realm, but they are spiritual and they work according to faith. Hello? Right? And this is what Jesus is trying, he's trying to teach them. So there will be times when God calls us to cast a net, right? To drop the net when it doesn't make sense. There'll be times when God calls you to, to share the gospel with someone that you work with. It doesn't make sense. I remember I was working one time when I was younger. I was working in a, in a restaurant, in a kitchen. And uh, I had witness to every person that I worked with, all of the cooks, all of the dishwashers, all the prep cooks, every, some of the waitresses, everyone that I shared the gospel with everyone except for one guy, and his name was Frank, because Frank, in my estimation, was beyond sa being saved. He was into drugs, he was, you know, into all kinds of just worldly carnal stuff, and I just thought to myself, this guy will never get saved. He's just going to push back and give me a hard time. I, and I, so I didn't share the gospel with him. And one day I was working in the back. I was doing some food prep and he comes around the corner and he stands next to me, this guy, Frank, and he says, hey, Greg, can I talk to you for a moment? I said, sure. What's up, Frank? He says, would you, would you, would you explain to me your relationship with God? And that's the only guy in that place that ended up receiving Christ, getting saved, Coming to our church, right? You remember Frank? Coming to our church, right? Becoming a, a follower of Jesus Christ. The only one. All the other, And I was the one. I said, doesn't make sense, right? And I didn't, even, I didn't even obey God. In fact, he came to me, right? I had to repent of that. God, forgive me. And for some of us, we're looking at all these fish swimming around us, and we're thinking, that one, would never, that one would never want to hear. That one would never want to come to church. That one would never want to know about Jesus, right? But you don't know, hallelujah, what the Lord of the lake is doing. You don't know how God is positioning people, how God's working and moving in people's lives, and he's getting them ready to swim into the net. The thing is, we have to put the net down. Hello? Even when it doesn't make sense to us, we got to drop the net. What net? You, I'm talking about the gospel. We got to put the gospel out there because Jesus is, he's got some fish ready to swim into it. Amen? Which brings me to the next truth God's miracles often require our cooperation. The sovereignty of God brought the fish near the boat, but the disciples had to drop their nets to receive the miracle. Hello? If they didn't drop their, the, the miracle was right there below the surface. They couldn't even see what was there. 
And if Peter continued on in his stubbornness and his pride, thinking that he had it all figured out, he would have never received the miracle that was right there just under the surface. Right? But because God's miracles often require our cooperation, he took that step of obedience, he dropped the net, hallelujah, verse 5 says, I'll let down the net. And the miracle, the miracle was there but he would have never received it without dropping that net. We often have to partner with God in our miracle. We, we've got a part that we have to do. Tell somebody, do your part. Do your part, right? You want your marriage to be saved? You're praying for God to do a, a, a miracle in your marriage? Then what does the Bible say? Wives, love your, love your, respect your husband. Husbands, love your wives. Amen? Okay. Don't be asking God to do a miracle, you know, if you're angry and bitter and nasty to your spouse all day long. Hello? I'm believing God for a miracle, you jerk. There's not going to be. There could be. God's trying. He's trying, right? He's working on their heart. He's calling. He's, he's trying to pull them into the net, but you're not putting the net down. Instead, you're disrespecting, you're cursing, right? You're being nasty to her, you're doing whatever, right? The miracle of God often requires our cooperation. You want your body to be healed, you want good health, amen? Hello? Right? Some of us, we need to change our eating habits. I'm just going to let that one hover. <laughs> just, I know you want me to move on, right? Right? We're praying for God. We're healing. Lord, I, I don't want to have to go to the doctor. i got this condition, right? And we need to cut the sugar out. Hello? All the caffeine. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor, now. You're, right? All that alcohol. Smoking the cigarettes. Amen? We're believing God for a miracle, and God wants to work. He wants to work in our lives, right? But there's something. Come on, tell somebody, do your part right? You want your business, you want your career to be blessed, then do, then do your, improve your competencies, demonstrate diligence, right? Strive for excellence, right? Be a value-added person in, on the job. Don't expect God to open up doors and promotions and put you on special teams, right? If you're lazy and late and have a bad attitude and always leave the difficult stuff for other people. Hello? Well, I'm believing God. I'm believing God for that promotion, right? doesn't work that way. You want your coworker to be saved. You want them to come to Christ. You want that family member to come to Christ. Do your part. Throw down the net. Share the gospel. Talk about the love of God. Tell your testimony. Amen. Be vocal with your faith. Amen. Hello? You, you understand what I'm talking about, right? Everybody say, do your part. Okay? And then when this miracle happened, this catch of fish, what did Peter do? When he pulled in these this net full of fish. What did Peter do? I wonder, what would you do if you, if you were Peter? I know what I would have done. I just said, Jesus, let's start a business. 50-50. I'll provide the net and the boat, and you just come down here and do your thing. And man, we will start an industry here on this lake, right? We'll even call it Peter and Jesus's Boat of fish. That's the way I think. But that's not what Peter did. His reaction was this, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Isn't that amazing? 
Peter realized who Jesus was, he begged him to leave. Why? He states his reason. Because I'm a sinful man. This is always the human response to God. We see God as something distant and untouchable, some holy being that wants nothing to do with, with, our, with us as sinful men and sinful women. But nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus knew everything about Peter. Jesus knew Peter was a sinner. He knew all of his flaws, all of his issues. He knew his impulsiveness. He knew about his secret lusts and his pride and that he was violent and that his thoughts were were dirty. He knew all of those things, but still he wanted to be in Peter's boat. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? That he knew all about Peter, but he still wanted to be in Peter's boat, and he still wanted to work a miracle in Peter's life. And this is the, the fifth truth. Jesus wants to be in our boats even though we don't deserve him. That's what the cross is all about. He took our sin on the cross so that the sin stain in our soul can be removed. On the cross, he took it. He took the punishment for our sin. And that's what we celebrate in communion, that on his, in his body, the iniquities of mankind, the sins of men, your sin, my sin, was put on Jesus in his body on the cross. And then we drank the juice, which is the, the symbol of his blood. The innocence and the righteousness in the lifeblood of Jesus Christ is appropriated to us. This is what the cross is all about. Our sin has been removed and righteousness has been given to us so that now God can step into our lives. Jesus can climb into our boat. Hallelujah. Not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we're righteous or holy or any of that stuff. Hallelujah. But because of Jesus. Amen? What does that mean? For you. Well, that all depends on the boat that you're in and what you need to catch. Your boat right now, maybe it's a family situation where you have a crisis in your family. You need God to step in. Maybe it's a career situation. You need God to make a way. Maybe you've got an issue with your, your health right now. You, you, you want Jesus in that boat with you to work a miracle. Maybe it's something in your marriage, right? The point is, Jesus wants to get into your boat. Don't allow the devil to put condemnation on you and tell you you're not good enough and you're not worth it. No, Jesus wants to be in your boat. You are not alone. He does care. And he tells us to cast our care upon him because he cares about us. Hallelujah. He still is the miracle-working God. Does anybody here believe that today? He's the mirror. He is the breakthrough God. He is the make a way where there is no way God. He still climbs into boats today. Amen? How many believe that? I don't know what your boat is, but I know Jesus cares about it. And Jesus loves you and he wants to get in that boat. Amen? And we're going to pray for you in just a moment that Jesus will demonstrate his sovereign power in your boat, whatever it may be. But before we do that, I want to give you one more truth. Verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now on. Now this is really important. From now on, you will catch men. 
So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Here's the last truth. To follow Jesus means to be a fisher of men. In other words, if we are not fishing for souls, we're not following Jesus. Are you hearing that? Right? So, Lord, give us a heart for lost people. Amen? Give us a heart for lost Give us a love for lost people, right? And listen, we have to resist the tendency so easily for us to become hard-hearted towards lost people, to become critical and judgmental and harsh because of their conduct, the behavior, what they do. Listen, lost people are just doing what lost people do. Amen? Okay? Don't get mad at the world because they're acting like the world. If you want to get mad, get mad at the church because we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. And the salt, you know what salt is? It's a, it's a preserving, it's a preservation element. It keeps meat from spoiling and rotting. So if we're seeing the culture all around us rotting and spoiling, it's because there's not enough salt. Amen? There's not enough fishermen casting the net into the lake. How many hearing what I'm saying? Right? Jesus never meant for us just to gather ourselves in church and just admire each other like we're fish in an aquarium. This is not an aquarium where you just get to admire one another's gifts and anointings and talents, right? That's not what this, this is not an aquarium. We're supposed to be out there in the boats with the nets, not becoming harsh and critical and judgmental against, they're just lost people doing what lost people do, amen? God give us, Lord give me a heart for lost people. Yes? And understand something, when they get in the boat, when, when they come into the church, when, lost, when you bring lost people into the church, fish don't come into the net already cleaned. <laughs> Hello? Usually when a fish comes into the boat, it hasn't been cleaned yet. It's in the net, it's in the boat, but it's pretty unclean. You understand what I'm saying? Some of them that come in, they might be drunks, they might be drug addicts, they might be drug dealers, they might be ex-cons, they might be some of the most flamboyant LGBTQ people, they might be transgender, they might be some of those people we just don't understand and it's kind of strange to get around and we, don't, we just can't relate to them, but you know what? When fish come in, they're not cleaned yet and you can't throw them back. Hello? Amen? I know some of you fishermen, you know, you're like, what is it, catch and release? I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. There's no catch and release in the kingdom of God. We catch him, we keep him, and then what do we do? We let Jesus clean him up. And then, become, then comes the process where Jesus takes and says, okay, we're going to have to cut you open now. There's some stuff in there we got to get out, right? And he reaches in, he starts to pull out all that stuff. How many hear what I'm saying, right? It's the process of cleaning the fish. We don't need to worry about cleaning up. We don't clean the fish. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, Jesus cleans the fish. All we do is get him in the net, bring him into the boat. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that, that somebody didn't throw you back when you first got caught in that net? Aren't you glad they didn't cross their arms and shake their head at you and give you looks and say, that guy. Aren't you glad? Amen? They didn't catch and release you, but they held on to you and they let you swim around in the aquarium with all your stuff? Oh, I know, you're just all so holy and you just got, you know, none of you had none. You, I, you came in here, man, you were, 
you were scaly and stinky and messed up, right? But what happened? You got loved on. People embraced you. People ministered to you. People cared about you. People prayed for you, right? And the Holy Spirit started to cut you open now and reach in there and get rid of all that stuff. And now look at you. You're one of the prettiest fish in the aquarium. But I want to remind you. Get out of the aquarium. Come on, tell somebody, get out of the aquarium. And get out there and start dropping the net because there's a lot of lost fish that need to be cleaned up by Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Father, help us. Lord, give us, Lord, give us a heart for lost people. In the name of Jesus. Come on, put your hand on your heart. And just tell the Lord that. Lord, give me a, give me a heart for lost people. Because that, you know, this was the message that Jesus really wanted to drill down in this miracle. Is that we would be fishers of men. And that he's ready to bring the fish into the net. Hallelujah. Lord, give me a heart for the lost. Come on, tell the Lord that. Lord, give me a heart for the lost. Give me a heart for the lost, Lord God. Shake me out of my comfort zone, God. Put me in a place, Lord, where I'm willing to speak the love of God and the truth of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, for those that are here today, they need the power of God to show up in their situation. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, we believe that you still are the miracle-working God. We believe, Lord God, that you still are working in a supernatural, sovereign, divine way below the surface, Lord God. And we pray, God, that you would do that right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Start to move below the surface where we can't see it. We can't detect it. We don't know how the fish are being, have been being, being moved around. But, Lord God, we're asking you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would work a miracle in our situations, Lord. Come on, if that's you, lift a hand to the Lord. Just say, God, I need you to do it. I need you, Lord, to cause things to work together for the good. I need you, God, to take what the devil meant for evil and turn it around and use it for good. Lord, I need you to change. I need you to change the situation and the circumstance in my life. Lord, I'm reaching out to you, God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray as we open the altars here today, God, you would meet with us, those that come for prayer. God, you would hear our cry in a powerful way. For those that need to go, Lord, we pray, God, that your blessing would be upon each one, Lord God. Help us to know how to put Jesus in the boat and listen to the word of God and do some of those things that don't seem, they don't seem practical. Help us, Lord, to put our nets down where we do, need to do our part. But Lord, at the end of the day, we need the power of God. I pray, Lord, that you would do that in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to open the altar, so I know some of you need to...